Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And if you can make your way back to your seats and open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3 is going to be our passage of Scripture this morning. Hebrews 3 verse 12 in our Together series. This is part 2 from the message that began last week. Loving this uh, changeover from summer into fall and uh, just the cooler nights coming in, the leaves changing colors. Enjoy it, brothers and sisters. It's beautiful, isn't it? God's awesome. And I, I was just last night, I, I was laughing with Shannon, threw on the sweatpants and a little bit of a sweatshirt for the first time. And I was like, here we go again. And uh, time for apple cider and some fun goodies like that. I I just love this time of year. I love how beautiful God's creation is during the fall time. God is indeed awesome, is he not? And I'm so thankful that he's given us his holy word. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 is our passage of scripture this morning. If you could open your Bibles and read together with me, that would be great. Take care Brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The title of the message this morning is Encouraging One Another Together. Encouraging One Another Together. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we have so many things we desire to lift up to you. We look out into our culture and we look out into our country and we look out into our world and we We lift up Charlotte, North Carolina to you, Lord, in the midst of these days where there is unrest in souls and in streets. We ask for you to bring peace, bring comfort to those who are mourning, bring unity and justice within the city, within the country. Fill everyone, Lord, with a spirit of mutual understanding, compassion for one another, the mind of Christ toward one another. Lord, we ask that You would cause the name of Your Son Jesus to go forth into the midst of chaos and bring salvation where there formerly was none. And bring revival, Lord, where faith has grown dim in the hearts of some. And Lord, we ask You to bring racial reconciliation across our land by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of your name. We also pray for the wars and the rumors of wars all over the world and the suffering all over the world. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would turn many in Syria and in North Korea to you. We pray that you would fill us, your church, with the Holy Spirit's power. And with zeal for the gospel. And help us to have such great passion. 
for your gospel that our lives, our prayers would overthrow with, they would overflow with action in your name to seek and save the lost and to encourage daily the saved. And I pray that you would use this message to encourage us in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we looked at uh, sort of a big point that we're going to repeat again today. And that big point is that encouraging one another daily is vital to our perseverance in the faith. Encouraging one another daily is vital to our perseverance in the faith. And the first point of the message is up on the screen. Encourage your brothers and sisters. Encourage your brothers and sisters. Just in jumping into that point one, encourage your brothers and sisters. I take that there from verse 13 in Hebrews chapter 3 here. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We looked last week that the call in verse 12 was to take care and that we're called in the Christian life to, to take care, to, to see that the Christian life is a glorious thing. It is a wonderful salvation to be enjoyed and also a salvation that we are called to take care with. The, the background here in the context of this passage is rest for the people of God. And you see in verse seven through 11, a, Scripture that talks about the Israelites in the wilderness after they had been redeemed out of slavery in Egypt by the almighty redeeming hand of God. They were tested in the wilderness and they had times of temptation where they were going astray in their hearts. And the the exhortation here by the apostle to The New Testament church is that we likewise, as the New Testament people of God, are also in the wilderness. We are between having been redeemed out of our slavery to sin and under the power of Satan. We've been redeemed by the powerful cross, but we likewise are on our wilderness journey to the promised land. And we are called to make note of the people of God, Israel, and their wanderings through the wilderness and the way that they went astray in their heart and we are admonished and warned to take heed of their example and to remind ourselves how important it is to take care in the Christian life. And I I want to just encourage all of us in relation to this call of taking care by highlighting a verse of Scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, and it's this. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Brothers and sisters, God's word is very clear in Romans 8.30 and elsewhere that when we are saved, we are as the scriptures describe, we are saved to the uttermost. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we are saved by the amazing grace of God. And when we are truly saved, we have confidence and we know that God's got us and he's going to hold on to us and never let us go. We see here that those whom he predestined, our salvation has 
begun in eternity past when God, by His amazing grace, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, as Ephesians 1 says. And then in real time, He calls us with the gospel call, and we are effectually called, and we respond gratefully with faith and repentance to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are called, we are justified. And when we are justified, we are declared righteous in God's sight. We are credited with, we are imputed with the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it's important to note that that perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ also includes the fact that Jesus came as God incarnate and He unlike unfaithful, wandering, going astray Israel, also was sent into the wilderness for 40 days. And he triumphed over Satan in the wilderness. And he triumphed over Satan through the blood of his cross. And he triumphed over our sins and the grave by his powerful resurrection from the dead. And brothers and sisters, he has secured forever our salvation, and it's His endurance, it's His perseverance, it's His perfect righteousness that once for all time has saved His people. And I want to encourage you that those who are saved are saved indeed. They are saved to the uttermost. And He, with one sacrifice, has saved us to the uttermost. And He promises that nothing will ever snatch us out of His hands. I want you to be secure in your salvation, to really be able to rest in the grace of God. And I'm so thankful that Christ is our righteousness. Aren't you? Aren't you so thankful for the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, God's Son, who conquered where God's people failed in the wilderness? Jesus Christ didn't fail in the wilderness, but was perfectly righteous and laid down His sinless life as a perfect spotless Lamb on the cross, covering over all of His people's sins, but also fulfilling all righteousness on their behalf. And that includes their endurance. That includes their perseverance in the faith. That is such good news. And we are... Admonished here though that in the midst of that precious reality and that assurance of salvation, we are called to take care nonetheless. We are called to recognize that Satan hates our Christian faith. He hates our faith in Christ. We have a heart that at times can be prone to wander. And we see here this admonishment is to brothers. Take care, brothers, lest there be any, any of you in evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away. From the living God that's falling away as we looked at last week. is You can get very close to God and you can hear Him. You can see His mighty works as Israel saw His mighty works for 40 years. And yet, you can have an evil, unbelieving heart that never savingly believes. And we are called as the church to take care. Lest that be in any of us. And to take care that we... Believe in Christ wholeheartedly and lay aside and repent of our sins and turn away from that evil, unbelieving heart that would lead us, 
to fall away from the living God and to cling to Christ, to fix our eyes on Christ as we sung this morning and as Hebrews 12 later talks about remembering that our precious salvation is secure, not through our efforts, but through the efforts of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And I'm so thankful that our salvation is secure, aren't you? I'm so grateful for His amazing grace. But knowing that our salvation is secure and knowing that nothing can ever snatch us out of Christ's hands does not mean that we don't take perseverance in the faith seriously. And that's one of the things that's very vital and on the heart of the apostle, on the heart of God for his people today. And that's the main point of this passage, encouraging one another daily in the church is vital to our perseverance in the faith. We're called to encourage our brothers and sisters to take initiative. It's a remedy here to an evil, unbelieving heart. We are called not to fall away from the living God or to drift in our commitment to Christ. But as verse 13 says, here's a remedy. Exhort one another every day in the church. He's talking to the church here. He's talking to Christians And he's saying that one of the remedies is for us as God's people to rise up and to be an encouraging people one to another and to help one another on this dangerous journey toward heaven. To take the business of church seriously. And the initiative for this must be something that we all own, brothers and sisters. This exhort one another every day is given to every single Christian in here. And as we looked at last week, every Christian in here, whether you have been a Christian for five minutes or whether you've been a Christian gloriously for 50 years, we all need this ministry of encouragement one to another. I am equally in need of the church in my last year before I enter into glory as I am when I'm a brand new Christian. We must not grow slack. We must not think that we've got tenure as it regards to fellowship and to say, I've been doing this fellowship thing for years and you know what, it's just kind of getting a little old to me and so I'm going to back off. No, we've got to cross the finish line and cross the finish line together, brothers and sisters. We've got to commit ourselves to God, and we've got to commit ourselves to one another. This initiative must start with each and every one of us. And there's initiative here that we are called as individuals to encourage one another every day. You see here that this call is not to simply compartmentalize your life and and love Jesus one day of the week on Sunday, but forget about Jesus the rest of the other six days of the week. We're called to really be about an everyday ministry of encouraging one another. And that doesn't speak to that you're supposed to be congregationally gathering together every single day of the week. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is that we are carrying each other on our hearts and we are praying for one another. We are encouraging one another In the faith, over and over and over again, we don't punch in and punch out in relation to this ministry of encouraging one another daily. It's a 24-7, 365. We are all on watch together over one another's souls. And 
loving each other and helping each other on the road toward heaven is of vital importance to our collective perseverance in the faith. That's why church life is so important and so serious. And we must take stock that our words, this is a word ministry in relation to encouraging one another. It requires us opening up our mouths toward one another. Communicating by our voice, over the telephone, over text, over email, over social media, any resource that we have, the Lord desires for us to use it and marshal it for the encouraging of one another in the church and for us to be passionate about that, not passive about it, but taking initiative and that with great zeal. Because we see that exhort one another Every day, as long as it is called today, you see the threat here that is a threat that really is a threat to all of us, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We looked at this last week, but sin can, it'll always promise, I'm just going to take an inch, but it takes a mile. And the challenge with sin is, hardens over itself and it covers over itself once committed and deceives us to think, well, that wasn't really that bad. You really haven't fallen that far. And inch by inch, we slowly begin to wander away. And it's a reality. And I've seen this happen in my own Christian life so often that if I am out from the fires of fellowship, it doesn't take real long sometimes for me to become just cooler in my passion for Jesus Christ. I, I need you all and you need me and we need each other in order to keep the passion and the fire and the zeal for Christ hot so that we burn brightly for Jesus the way we're all longing to do. We cannot do that in isolation. We need the fellowship of the church. We need this ministry of encouraging one another daily. This is one of the reasons why we talked about this a little bit also last week that we have our care groups in our church our fellowship gatherings, our small groups. It's for this daily ministry of encouraging one another daily, of looking out for each other, keeping tabs, upbuilding each other, getting involved in each other's lives and knowing where our, our struggles are, our thoughts, our burdens, our fears, our rejoicings, our weepings are in each other's lives and genuinely caring for each other. You can't genuinely And in a deep way, be involved in 300 people's lives. But you can be involved in a meaningful way with a group of Christians that's smaller. And one of the things that we looked at last week is that as a church family, and please, all of you, keep this in prayer. We're hoping to, and I'm so thankful for Ben and John and their leadership in this. And this as a team, we're so excited about this heading around the horn into the new year. We're looking to kind of bring our care groups down to the size of about 12 to 15 people each in order to facilitate this encouraging one another daily in a more robust way. We're going to do this gradually and we're going to do this with pastoral care and sensitivities. We, we love the depth of the relationships that have, are in our church currently and But it's one of those things that we're really seeing the value of is that we're going to need all of us to kind of rise up and to 
to view this daily ministry of encouragement, of actively getting involved, of reaching out to new people who are coming in and helping to disciple them and raise them up as something we all have to have as a shared burden and responsibility together. That can't be just the pastor's job. It's, it's the job of every single individual in the church. And would you please pray over this next season? It's one of the reasons we're doing this together series. Pray that this daily ministry of encouragement grow stronger and stronger in our church as our church goes forward into its future. We were talking last week about the importance of a church being this way with one another. And I don't know what the Lord's going to do in terms of the advance of the gospel in our church, but I know that as the gospel's faithfully preached in the New Testament, people are saved and they're added to the church and the church grows. Church growth inherently is not a wrong thing. Our church We only want our church to be as big as God ordains it, but as the gospels preach, the church is going to grow. All of us have to look at that and be excited about it and recognize it is. It's going to challenge as time goes on. We like things as they are. We We don't like change by nature, but we want to have a mindset in this church toward ministry of embracing new people and saying, hey, you belong here. It's not just the people who've been here for the first 15 years who belong here. You belong here, even though you've only been here for a month. We're so excited that you're here. We want to incorporate you in to this local body and watch your spiritual gifts go forward and serve the body of Christ. We want to embrace, we want to disciple, we want to help everybody to feel like they get involved quickly into this daily ministry of encouragement. So would you please join us in prayer for that? We're looking to just talk about that. I'm hoping to visit uh, each of your small groups sometime throughout this fall just to talk about this and pray about this together. And we can talk about it, ask questions about it together with one another. But also pray. We're going to need, I was saying this last week, we're going to need more people most likely to, to host care group, be willing to host it. We're going to need more people who would be willing to facilitate discussions, gentlemen, um, and, and to not uh, feel like, oh man, I could never do that, I could never do that, but to really cry out to God in faith and say, you know what, no, maybe I could, maybe I could care for some folks' souls and I can lead some discussions and I might not be the very best at it as somebody else, but I, I, I'm excited and I'm eager to really encourage people daily. Those are the kinds of brothers and sisters that we're looking for and You know, we're looking for gentlemen to step up to be assistant small group leaders as well. And we'll talk more about that and and we'll build more and more toward that through the fall. But just please be in prayer about it. We're excited because I think what's going to happen is it's going to help our church stay deep and even go even deeper in terms of true fellowship in the church. And we're really looking for each small group on its own initiative to be looking and saying, okay, wow, our, our small group's getting bigger. We're not beyond 12 to 15 now. We're growing to 20, 25 people. And what can we do together to see to it that the sweet, rich fellowship that we've been enjoying, the close friendship and bonds we've been enjoying in the Spirit of God uh, get replicated so that others might come to know Jesus in this way. Others might taste this sweet fellowship in the Lord. And so we'd ask you to pray toward that end. That ministry of encouraging one another happens in our thought life. Focusing on God's people and thinking about them in a way that causes us to think, how can I encourage this brother? How can I encourage this sister? 
in the Lord. It also involves our speech to one another in private conversations. It involves our speech in public conversations. It involves every bit of communication we have as we are talking. We must remember that we are talking to people and that God is calling us to encourage one another, to build one another up. And even in relation to, and I think this is a practical application of this message and one that I'm burdened for and to talk about together. And I think it's very relevant for so many of us. I'm even thinking about our posts on social media. Are they encouraging? Are they calculated to encourage one another every day? Are they calculated to help brothers and sisters in Christ endure in their faith? I was thinking in relation to preparation for this message in Ephesians 4.29. You know, the Word of God says, Do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it might benefit those who listen, that it might benefit those who hear. I want to ask us all to examine our hearts. Is there an atmosphere of encouragement that I create with all my communication? Starting with those closest to me in my home. Is encouraging one another daily a burden that I carry on my heart? Do I speak also with my brothers and sisters in the church family in a way that is calculated to encourage them daily? Do I carry a burden to see that happen? Brothers and sisters, I think we've got to examine, and at times we've really got to repent over times where we speak meanly of other people. We judge other people self-righteously. We can be at times filled with gossip and slander and self-righteousness rather than, as Galatians 5 commands us, To bear the fruit of the Spirit, kindness, love, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. Does my communication one to another build up? Does it benefit those who hear? I was thinking about John 13, verse 35, where Jesus says, and there's a song, a little children's song written after that verse, They will know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. Do you remember that song? I love that song. They will tell that we are Christians by our love for one another. It's such a sad commentary today in our culture, and you see this often even amongst Christians, and I think we've all got to size up our hearts and recognize that these things are latent in all of us, and we can all struggle That sometimes people can tell that they're Christians by their self-righteous rants. Can tell that they're Christians by arrogant, divisive opinions. 
some believers treat bluntness of speech, keeping it real, speaking my mind, almost as if it's one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Where kindness and gentleness, goodness, self-control are there instead. In our conversations about others, in our conversations with others, in private or in public, and we must always keep in mind, especially with social media, these things are public, unless we're private messaging somebody. These things are public. They're being observed by our brothers and sisters in Christ, and people are being influenced by our example, whether good or bad. I was thinking of Psalm 19. Let this be our guide, Christ Community Church. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Be pleasing to you. It's another song I was singing in my head in preparation for this message. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and that section where the Apostle Paul is talking about, should I eat meat, sacrificed idols, or shouldn't I? You know, it's not a problem for my conscience to eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols. I know that idols aren't real and I can eat the meat. But if my brother or my sister stumble because for them, they believe that meat sacrificed to idols is sinful, then I'll never eat meat again. Lest I stumble my brother or my sister. There's such a spirit of love, of a, of a willingness, sacri- willingness to sacrifice even one's rights to the help and care and the encouragement of brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a zeal he has in 1 Corinthians 8 to do just that. And, and, and we could overlay that even over social media and say this, if I know that a post of mine or a comment of mine is going to hurt another Christian or tempt them to stumble or distract other Christians from Christ rather than help them to gaze on Christ, I should not post it. I should not comment. I'll never comment again. Even though I have the right as a Christian I'm always mindful of my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I'm always mindful of them and and I'm thinking of all of them. Brothers and sisters, I think it's something we've all got to take stock of. If I'm more passionate about some opinion that I have than I am about honoring God's word, then I need to change my ways. And I need to look into my own heart and recognize that as vital. The principle in 1 Corinthians 8 is that the conscience of another Christian and their walk with God, their encouragement daily in the faith is more important than my individual freedom to say whatever I want to say and whatever I feel like saying. Let us really take stock of that in each one of our souls. Let us be a people to take this ministry of encouraging one another. Let that be what we are known for. Young men and young women in crossfire, let your encouragement to one another be what you're known for. Building others up 
rather than tearing down, benefiting those who hear rather than stumbling those who hear. When is the last time that you encouraged your brother in Christ? When's the last time you encouraged your sister in Christ specifically in the faith? Oh, marshal every text you can towards that great end. Marshal emails daily on a regular basis. And let's not think simply meeting the meeting, but these, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love all my brothers and sisters in Christ all, all across the world and feel a solidarity and a unity in the spirit with them all. But, but these people here in my church, in my local church, these are going to be the ones that I help toward heaven. And I'm going to do that with zeal. Oh, Christ community, may we be filled with words of life, words of encouragement one to another. We've heard the argument that it's possible to win an argument and lose a brother or sister when winning an argument becomes more important than keeping a brother or sister then we're not walking in biblical Christ-like love. I recently had a dear brother in Christ, not a part of our church. This story doesn't have anything to do with our church. A a dear brother in Christ who's not a part of our church post in his frustration. If any of you out there are going to vote for this political candidate, unfriend me. And that began a litany, a virtual feeding frenzy of opinions and comments from one Christian to the next, each Christian laying out the other for their previous comment. It was getting so crazy that some unbelievers put on the eating popcorn meme A reminder that on Facebook, many eyes are watching how we interact with one another. Including unbelievers. And weaker Christians. And they are taking note of how we interact with one another. Other Christians in our church are positively or negatively being affected by what we post or even what we comment as well. And in this interaction back and forths of sharp, blunt opinions, mean, spirited comments went on for quite some time. Each believer, each believer seemed to be more concerned about their opinion getting laid down and voiced than they cared about the feelings and sensitivity of others. And that's all of our tendencies. In the flesh. That by the end of it all, believers were divided from one another rather than united together in Christ-like love and harmony. Oh, that's so sad. Some walked away from the interaction angry. Some walked away from the interaction self-righteously satisfied. Some walked away even more arrogant in their opinion than they started with. Some walked away hurt and broken No one walked away encouraged, built up in the faith. No one walked away quoting or singing. You can tell they are Christians by their love. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may let's all just take stock of this. 
may sensitivity to one another. Understanding a spirit of coming alongside of one another. This, this ministry of, of exhort one another, that word is parakletos, where the word paraclete comes from, the comforter, the Holy Spirit named the paraclete. This coming alongside in comfort, this ministry, this urgent ministry of encouraging one another, encouraging and exhorting one another in each other's faith. May a spirit of coming alongside, may a spirit of seeking to see things from another brother or sister's perspective and not just our own. Seeing an issue from all sides. Thinking before we speak. Thinking before we post. Be amongst us. And may encouragement in the faith be what abounds out of our life individually and Christ Community Church. May they say of us, when I look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, that's a church that encourages one encourages one another daily. Oh, glorious. Glorious. May we all bear with one another in love for weaknesses that we see in others. May we overlook minor offenses. May we not give up on brothers and sisters who are acting in a way that they shouldn't be acting. Let us help one another. Let us not judge one another. Let us Build each other up and not tear one another down. Let us, as Philippians commands us, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Let's do everything we can to guard the precious unity and to guard the faith of every single person who loves Jesus. And you know, this is just a little bit of a side note, but I think it's an important one to say. As we go into this next month, there's going to be a great political buildup where many comments that are not encouraging are going to fly, some which are very tempting. Let us always remember this, church, that our unity, our focus, Our identity is not to ever be around who we are voting for or who we are not voting for or other matters that might even be important, but they're not the matter of first importance. Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for sinners risen from the grave. Our unity, our focus, our identity as individuals and as a church should be Jesus Christ. And that passionately. And may that passion be one. May we be united in that passion. Oh, it's okay to be burdened about other causes, but never to the point where our passion for those other causes less important supersedes. Our passion and our zeal for Jesus Christ. We've got to guard ourselves from that. And we are to do all we can to prioritize and encourage one another daily in our faith in Christ. In all our interactions, 
in our thoughts, our prayers, our words toward one another, at home, at school, at work, everywhere. May we glorify God by excelling in this vital ministry that is so needed in the church today. Encouragement. Christians are starving for encouragement. Can I just encourage all of us as the years go on to not give way to the temptation, to cynicism when it comes to people, to become a cynic, to become a critic, but rather to lend our hand to encouraging every single Christian that comes across my path on their journey towards heaven, to build them up and never tear them down. And even when I need to point out something that somebody might need to grow in in the Lord, let me do that with gentleness and respect and love. May it be clear to that brother, may it be clear to that sister that I am so for them. I love them. I want to take the plank out of my eye and maybe help remove a speck so that they run the race for Jesus more passionately. And then I'm so for them in that way that they see it and they are encouraged and they are spurred on to love Jesus all the more. Oh, brothers and sisters, may we create together. It's crazy to think this. But that by actually walking in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 passionately, it's, it's sad as well. It's, it's not just crazy. It's, it's kind of sad. We could be sort of a counterculture even within the broader Christian culture, committed to biting and devouring one another, destroying one another, as Philippians says, watch out, you'll be destroyed by one another. Brothers and sisters, we can create a loving counterculture in this church. When people come in, they come from all different backgrounds and all different perspectives on many different opinions. But when they come in here, they see Jesus Christ. Their eyes are lifted up to Jesus Christ everywhere. In the pulpit, in the pew, their eyes are pointed to Jesus Christ because He's the one we're passionate about. He's the one we're focused on. He is our identity. He is everything here. And we are so thankful you belong here. You're welcomed here, brother and sister. This is your church. And we are so glad to have you here. And no matter what your struggles are or what your battles are, we accept you for who you are and where you're battling. And we're not going to judge you. We're going to come alongside you. We're going to protect you. We're going to disciple you. We're going to raise you up and see you accomplish all that God's got for you in your Christian life. That's the kind of spirit that we are called to ever increasingly have and may God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, grant us to be so. Amen. I see this here in great abundance. I think we could also grow here. Don't you? Yeah, I think we can. And you might be tempted to say, well, hey, that's not me. Does encouragement define you? Or are people more aware of your criticisms and your, eh, yeah, I see that here. Listen, I, I want to just tell you something, especially for the newer people. I want to just kind of break the myth. There's challenges in this church. There's, this church is not perfect. And no church is. Can I just encourage all of us? Don't be one of those individuals that 
Just, you know, yeah, I see that here in this church, and I see that here. And like, listen, we've got problems. Would you help us be a part of the solution to the problems? Use your precious spiritual gifts to help build up rather than to stand off at a distance and tear people down or tear down a culture. Listen, we know we've got weaknesses. We need all of you to step in and help us to make it strong. And I believe God's doing that, and I'm excited about that, but we've got to guard, don't we, all of us, as we encounter weaknesses in the church, or maybe somebody sins against us in the church, and all of a sudden we're backing off, we're backing away, and we're, you know, yeah, I used to kind of like that church, and I... Listen, we all have to rise up out of those temptations and say, you know what? No, not here. It's not going to happen here. We're not going to be this revolving door where I get offended once and I'm out the door and I never come back again. And I drift for another five years before I even contemplate becoming a member at another local church. We are not called to live that way in the Christian life. We are called to send down roots deep in Jesus and send down roots deep with one another and love one another and bear with one another and build one another up and encourage one another all the way until we get to heaven. And brothers and sisters, you have my commitment. We are going to strive toward that end more and more and more as we see the day of judgment approaching. We are going to seek to, by God's grace, Humbly build a counterculture where the fellowship and the love runs deeper than some Christians have ever tasted before in their life. And the Lord knows we need all of you. Young men, young women, we need you to embrace this message and rise up. Oldest saint in the room, we need you to rise up. And be committed to run the race all the way across the finish line. We need your experience. We need your wisdom. We need you. You belong here. You belong here. And we love you with all of our heart. And we're committed here to helping everybody here on this journey toward heaven. We're all in battle. Listen, we're all in the wilderness. Let's put our arms around each other together. Let's encourage one another daily. Let's be the church in the scriptures. For the grace, by the grace of God, for the glory of God. We're going to celebrate communion. And I'd like to ask the ushers to begin to come forward and distribute communion to us. To ask for all of us to begin to prepare our hearts. And I want to let you know I was so convicted just thinking, Lord, how, how, how can I be more of an encourager? How can I grow? Where do I need to repent over the way I can speak meanly about somebody or speak hateful words? Words of gossip, words of death rather than words of life. Let us, let us, Prepare our hearts to partake of the Lord's Supper together. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus says to Peter, after he had instituted the Lord's Supper, which we're going to partake in just a moment of. 
He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. As I was meditating on communion and this ministry of encouragement, I was thinking of Jesus Christ and His example of the very Scripture that we read today. Contemplate this with me, brothers and sisters. Jesus knows that Peter's going to deny that he even knows him three times the next day. But Jesus does not treat him sinfully in response. Jesus encourages Peter. He tells him, Peter, even after it happens, even after you do it, he says, when you have turned again. He encourages Peter before the event even happens. You're going to turn again toward me. You're going to turn back toward me, even though you wandered. And when you do, Peter, look at these words. Strengthen your brothers. Encourage your brothers. He's on his way to die for us, brothers and sisters, and, and for Peter. He knows that Peter's going to utterly fail him and hurt him. And yet Jesus rises up and encourages Peter in his faith again and again. He tells Peter that Satan asked to sift him like wheat, tear him apart. And that's what the destroyer does. But fighting for Peter again and fighting for all of us, he says, I've prayed for you, Peter. I've prayed for you, CB. I've prayed for you, Ben. I've prayed for you, John. I've prayed for you, Christ Community Church. And just as Hebrews 3 says, he prays for our faith. That our faith in Him would not fail. And that's the reason our faith will not fail. Because He intercedes for us. And He ever lives to intercede for us. He is right now seated on the throne interceding for us, brothers and sisters. And we're going to make it all by His amazing grace that we sung about. Ponder the encouragement of Christ in one of His most tempting hours. 
ponder the awareness that he knows Peter's going to fall asleep on him three times, even later that night before he denies him three times. Ponder that he ponders and he sees every single weakness and every sin that we commit every single day and never stops coming again and again and again to encourage us and to build us up and to pour out the Spirit on us again and again so that our heart would not become hardened. And he says to us this morning, when you turn again, strengthen your brothers. And may we excel at that strengthening. Brothers and sisters, we would have no hope if it was not for what Jesus said to the disciples just a little earlier that night when He instituted the Lord's Supper in the section right above Luke 22.31 and Luke 22.14. When the hour came, He reclined at table and the apostles with Him and He said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Let us remember the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was broken for us. Thank you, Jesus. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. May we remember the blood of Jesus Christ shed on our behalf. This is our cleansing. This is our deliverance from God's justified wrath against our sins. This is, as we sung earlier, brothers and sisters, this is all our righteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ poured out for us. Let us remember the precious sacrifice of our precious Savior and Lord together. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your precious sacrifice, your powerful sacrifice that has delivered us from the wrath to come. It is with one sacrifice once for all time. It has saved us to the uttermost. And we are so thankful that you have saved us to the uttermost. Thank you that, Lord, there's nothing that can ever separate us from your love. Thank you that your love is steadfast. It's immovable. It's abounding toward us. Even though we fail you like Peter every single day, you come again and again and encourage us. God, I pray that no matter how much people ever fail us, that we would never fail to encourage them. No matter how much people ever hurt us, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would pour out your Spirit upon us and make us the encouraging church daily that you desire us to be in Christ. I pray that everybody from the oldest believer here to the newest attender would feel the love of God in Christ for them and that we would encourage them and build them up and that we would be a blessing to everybody and that our conversation would always be full of grace and full of encouragement. 
Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for every bit of mean speech. Forgive us for every self-righteous rant. Forgive us for every sinful judgment. Forgive us for tearing our brothers and sisters down. Tearing unbelievers who don't even have the Holy Spirit within you down. Standing over them as if somehow we are any better. As if it's it's the grace of God and the grace of God alone, Lord. And it's only your grace that has caused us to be saved and born again. And to have the mind of Christ. And why others are lost. Lord, it's only your grace that has saved us. It's only your grace that has separated us. Lord, help us to be humble Christians. Help us to be amazed Christians. Grateful and amazed that you would have died for a sinner like us. Help unbelievers. Help Christians to see our humility. Help us to see that we are so deeply in love with you, Jesus. That we just want to tell everybody about you and encourage everybody in you. May that mark every man, woman, and child in this church. And may we be a bright shining light in this culture as a church family, helping one another earnestly toward the great day when we will see you face to face in heaven. I ask that you would empower us to excel in this great and vital ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't God good, Christ community? Aren't you so thankful for our great Savior, Jesus Christ? Thank you so much, and have a wonderful, wonderful day. And please uh, you know, lift up a quick prayer for the Eagles that they beat the Steelers this afternoon as well. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great day.